Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. This morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke, only Gentile writer in the New Testament, writer of Luke and Acts. That was one volume at one point. And Luke is going to share with us a story today that's going to capture what we just heard from Haley. And that is a grateful heart. A grateful heart. I'm thankful for Thanksgiving, pun not intended, but I am thankful for the holiday that, that comes around to remind us to, inter, to, to invade our lives and say, hey, whoa, we need to be grateful. But I want to tell you, beyond that day, we need a lifestyle of Thanksgiving, don't we? We need a lifestyle of Thanksgiving, don't we? Amen. Amen. And so today, Luke's going to usher us into a story that's going to capture this for us in the experience of one particular person. I'm going to go ahead and ask the multimedia team to go ahead and get that slide up for us. Um, If you have ever spent any amount of time with my wife and I, who, by the way, she's not feeling well, let's keep her in prayer. She's probably watching right now. Hello, sweetie. If you've ever spent any time around my wife and I, you'll know that my wife and I have a ridiculous sense of humor. Okay? We love to laugh. I mean, ever since we we met, the first week that we met, we were always laughing. We still laugh. Okay? And we particularly like to laugh and joke and so forth about real-life situations that people can deal, that people relate with. And there's one particular scenario that we joke about that I particularly love. It's probably my favorite. It's about an Israelite family in the wilderness, maybe about a year or so after they have been delivered from 400 years of bondage in Egypt. And they are now in the wilderness. The sanctuary is there where the presence of God is dwelling amongst his people. And they're trying to get some sleep at night. Image might look something kind of like this. Familiar with the Old Testament sanctuary in the Old Testament, you'll be familiar with this image right here. And so you can imagine that they are in one of these tents, right? Kind of nearby the sanctuary. And as they're trying to get some sleep, how many husbands do I have that want to just raise their hand real quick and sometimes you you just nudge your wife to tell her something at night? Yeah? Okay, so you'll, you'll be familiar with this. You know, the lying down next to his wife, it's late at night, and, and, and he gets up and he, and, he, and he leans over and he nudges his wife and he says, hey, sweetie, you know, that, that, that bright light with the glory, God's presence on, it's really, it's really bright. Can, can you just close the curtains just a little bit? That's just really bright. Sweetie, can you just do that for me real quick? And uh, Thank you, sweetie. Off to sleep. You see, I share that with you because that's how many of us treat God. You can become so accustomed to all your breathing. You have food, you have clothes, you, you're able to go and shop and get 
the things that you need. And oftentimes it's like that Israelite couple that's there and Yes, the, the, the presence of God is visible in this manifestation. At night, the pillar of fly, fire coming from the sanctuary would ascend and provide warmth and provide light at night. Matter of fact, the other nations, when you read the, the story of Scripture there, the other surrounding nations would look at this visible manifestation of the presence of God and say, their God, Yahweh, is awesome. He is mighty. We are like grasshoppers compared to him. But the children of Israel had gotten to a place where they had so just been caught up with what they saw in the surrounding nations that they forgot this big God that was present and visibly revealing himself in this manifestation. And it got to a place where they began to take this for granted. And so my wife and I, we joke all the time. We say, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like you're there in Israel and you're like, God, oh, that, that bright uh, light from the pillar of fire. It's just so bright. Babe, can you just close the blinds real quick, please? You've become so accustomed to the presence of God, to the provision of God, maybe to the promises of God that you just kind of go, yeah. There is someone that we're going to encounter today in Luke 17, if you're there, Luke 17, verses 11 to 19, that, that, that shows us in contrast to what I just described to you, how to have a grateful heart. How to have a heart of gratitude. How to have a heart of thanksgiving. That's not just relegated to one day of the year. Jesus today is going to show us, in Luke 17, three ways that shows us why we need to have a grateful heart. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Oh God, there is no greater day than the Sabbath to just pause, rejoice, rest, relax in your presence and tell you all of the wonderful things that you've done for us and why we just want to praise you, God. It just should pour out from our hearts, out through our lips, out to you, God. And right now, God, we thank you in advance. Thank you so much, Lord. We're breathing. We have food. We have family, we have a church family, we have so many things, but most importantly, God, as we'll discover today, we have Jesus. Oh, if there's anything that we should praise you for, it's, it's Jesus, it's him. And so right now, please be in our midst, speak to our hearts, encourage us and challenge us today. In the name of Jesus, let everyone say, amen. How many of you got your Bibles in Luke 17? Luke 17. Beginning in verse number 11, actually verse 12, the Bible says this, it says, then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. So that you can understand a little bit of what's happening there in the story. This is a part of the story of Jesus that is towards the latter end of his ministry. Jesus is now leaving the Gentile regions of Galilee, and he's coming down on his last journey to Jerusalem. Jesus is now really right there in the shadow of the cross. 
And on the way, Jesus wants to stop and encourage he sends the disciples out first in, as 12, then he sends out the 72 before his face to the towns and cities that he's going to come to. He's preparing the people. He's, he's launched a movement now that has been following him for three and a half years. And now he is going to Jerusalem. Luke describes, I believe it's Luke 9, he says he, he was fixed on the cross. He, he was fixed on going to Jerusalem. He was born for this reason. This was the plan back from the foundations of the world. He is coming now to redeem humanity by his death on the cross, and he is right there now he's on his way to Jerusalem and he takes a unusual path for him and I say unusual because Jesus does something that kind of gets him in a little bit of trouble the text there in verse 11 says that as he was going to Jerusalem he went in the midst of Galilee and he went in the midst of, uh, uh, between Galilee and Samaria okay between Galilee and Samaria and he takes this kind of middle road between them. You may not catch what's happening there, but if you read a little bit in the, in the story of Jesus, Jesus had some encounters with Samaritans, hasn't he? In John 4, Jesus meets a woman from Samaria, and the way the text begins, it says he had to go to Samaria. Jesus intentionally went to the place where he, as a Jew, because of the prejudices of the day, do not go. There was beef between the Jews and the Samaritans. But he said, I got to go to Samaria. There's a woman there that needs me. And then there's a town based on her testimony that needs me. And so he goes to Samaria. He is welcomed by the Samaritans. In, the, in Samaria, he is revealed. He actually acknowledges that he's the Messiah to this woman. And so they already are receiving Jesus as Messiah. A little bit later on, Jesus tells a story that demonstrates what it means to love your neighbor. It really is revealing Jesus himself and how he treats broken and lost humanity. But he's showing them and he, uses, he shows them how to be a good neighbor, how to love your neighbor, which is everybody. And the hero of the story is a what? You can talk to me, family. Is a Samaritan. We, we, the good Samaritan story, correct? Yes. So he's, he, he already he's painting this picture, not only to the Samaritans, but also to the Jews. Look, my kingdom is not just for Jews. It's for everybody, including the Samaritans whom you hate. And he intentionally makes the Samaritans the heroes of some of his stories. And we're going to see that today in today's story. And then this unusual situation happens where they hear a little bit, just maybe, I don't know, maybe a few weeks or so before what we're going to read today. Jesus now, the Samaritans hear that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. And because of the, in spite of all that Jesus has already done for them, in spite of what they've already seen as the favorable disposition that Jesus has to the Samaritans, they hear that he is now going to Jerusalem and he's taking a road that doesn't go through Samaria. It's right on the outskirts of Samaria, between Samaria and Galilee. It's the road that the Jews would normally take when they're going on their feast days. Jesus is taking a very Jewish route and they're offended. If you remember, if you're familiar with the scriptures, the stories, the disciples John and, and uh, James and John are so mad that they say, Hey, Jesus, they don't even want you to come to their town. Should we call down fire from heaven to consume them? Those ungrateful, Gentile, heathen Samaritans. And Jesus said, Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know what spirit you're of. I've come to save lives, not to destroy lives. Well, this is the context now for what we're about to read. 
the, the, the Samaritans who have been treated very favorably by Jesus, right, now see him taking a route to Jerusalem and think, oh, this guy is, oh, he's playing the whole prejudice, racial tension bias card right now. What's up with that? Oh, he's going he's gonna to take the Jewish road this time. Okay. I see. Are oh, you going to Jerusalem, right? Oh, okay. I, I see you, Jesus. And so Jesus now takes this, this, this road. You can understand what Jesus is doing, obviously. It's very intentional. You see, Jesus takes this road because he knows he's about to be rejected by his own people. He's about to go to the cross for all humanity. He's about to accomplish the thing that he came to this earth to do. But I love it because the Bible also says, as we read in verse 12, he entered a certain village. Oh, come on. Jesus took a detour. He said, I've got to make a stop. I've got to go somewhere. I know I'm going to the cross, but uh, th there's something I've got to do. You know, this is not just happenstance here. He's going intentionally. It's very much like in John 4, towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he says, oh, I, I must go through Samaria. Well, this is a very similar situation. I've, I've got to go to this village. I've got to go here. When he gets there, there are these, there's this company of lepers. If you're familiar with that in Scripture, leprosy was the, oh my, it was the AIDS, it was the HIV, it was the epidemic disease of the day, of the time of Jesus. Okay? People had this terrible condition. And you, according to the laws of Moses, if you were a Jew, you were to, in a public setting, cry out, unclean, so that people would know not to get near you and not get contaminated, if you will, or even ritually contaminated. And so they were supposed to, follow where I'm going, family, they were supposed to say, unclean, the moment people came around. But Jesus showed up. <laughs> I'm going to ask God to pray for the pastor today. Jesus showed up. They know, they probably heard, he's going to Jerusalem. Everybody knows this. He's going to Jerusalem. But Jesus has to go to their village. At this point, see, the way the Bible describes is so beautiful. The Bible will later tell us that one of them is a Samaritan. And as we read through the story in a second, you're going to notice that this is actually, the people he's talking to are Jews. The, 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 there's ten of these lepers. One of them is a Samaritan. The rest are Jews. Bible-believing, Sabbath-keeping, health-conscious followers of Yahweh. And Jesus says, I've got to draw close. You see, the first reason why we need to be grateful, family, is Jesus sees us in our condition very much like these lepers. He sees your condition broken and in need and helpless, and he says, I've got to draw close. I know I'm going to the cross. I, I, I know I'm busy, but I've got to go to Haley's house. I've got to stop by Vienna. The weight of the world is upon my shoulders, but I've got to go close to where the hurt is, to where the pain is. That's where I need to go. Jesus, he, he draws close. My son, my son has sometimes some of the most epic diapers I have ever seen. Epic. 
Epic. Now, I don't have the gag kind of reflexes like my wife, you know. So I can, I can endure it a little bit more than she can. But it's epic. And as my son, when I smell what, 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 what just comes like an aroma to my nostrils, family, you tell me, do I, do I run from my son as he's there in soiled diapers? Am I repulsed from my son because there's something dirty in his diapers? Do I say, sweetie, you deal with that. I cannot deal with that. You handle that. No, 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 no. You see, because he has soiled diapers, I draw close. Come on, family. Because he has a messed up situation, I've got to go clean it. You see, even when I, uh, you know, in the early stages of, of newborns and infants, you know, they sometimes want to fight you as, they're try as you're trying to clean them. You're trying to clean your child, and they think, oh, what is he doing? And, oh, what the word? And they might spray something. <laughs> right? Yeah. But if something sprays, does that make me go, oh, you're on your own. I'm done. I'm done. I am just done. No. It's my son. I draw close. I get a whole lot of wipes. <laughs> You know, I, I take care of the situation. And this is what Jesus is showing us. Jesus enters this village, and as he's passing by, the text says, they stand afar off. Oh, my, what a picture. What a picture. They stand afar off. They know according to the law. They know what the Bible says. And they say, I'm going to stand over here. Oh, I don't want to contaminate anybody. Oh, but when they see Jesus... They know he's passing by. This is towards the latter part of his ministry. They've heard about Jesus. They've heard about him. They know how he's treated the Samaritans. They know that he heals the sick. He opens the eyes of the blind. They know the good news that he's been preaching about the kingdom. And when they see him, all protocol goes to the window. Form and formality goes out the Vienna church windows. And they do what all of us should do when we know our condition. They cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These were, look, these are Samaritan of them. Jews, the majority of them were Jews. One is a Samaritan. These are people that should have hated one another. These are people that should have had walls up. These are people that should be arguing about politics. These are people that should be having doctrinal debates. But because they know they're sick, they form, as I read in the commentary, they form a, a kind of, kind of a community, a fellowship of suffering. They form a little small group amongst themselves to encourage themselves. Many times they lived in their own community because they know they're sick. Look, we're sick. I don't have time to debate about the Jew stuff and the Samaritan stuff. We both have the same condition. We both are in need of healing. And they know that. And they both know when they get in the presence of Jesus, when they see Jesus, they, they know just innately, I have a need, I have a condition, I cry out. Have mercy, have mercy, 
Have you recognized you have soiled diapers, family? Have you recognized the, 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 the mess of your sin? Do you know your condition? Or are we like that church in Revelation 3 that says, I'm good, Jesus. I'm in need of nothing. I have the truth. Or have you been on your knees, though you have the truth, but you know your heart, you know your tendencies, you know the attitude that sometimes seeps out, you know yourself, and you're in the presence of Jesus, and you say, have mercy, have mercy on me. It doesn't stop there, because Jesus then does something absolutely remarkable that I didn't even fully appreciate until I was studying this this week. Jesus does something beautiful. He does this now in verse, uh, verse 14, verse 14. Oh, Jesus, see, you see, oh, I have to say this. Jesus, Jesus is not only passing by and they cry out to him, but Jesus, Jesus sees them. Don't miss that. You see, this was, this was Jesus. He, he did not have to go into this village. He could have said, look, I don't have time to deal with those social economic issues. I'm here to give them salvation at the cross. I don't have time to meet those needs. The, what they really need is a ticket to heaven. And so I'm just going to go and accomplish that at the cross. So I, I don't have time to deal with that right now. I'm just going to go deal with their salvation. Right? Well, but Jesus is more holistic than that family. He sees them. He hears them. Are there people in your life that need to be seen and heard? Do you need to be seen and heard? We can say happy Sabbath and we can come and greet and smile, but do we see each other? Do you really stop? And when you say, hey, happy Sabbath, how are you doing? Do you really mean that? Do, do, do you really want to know what's happening in your brother and your sister's life? Because some of them come with a lot of heavy burdens and need someone to see them Amen. and to hear them. Jesus does that. But watch this. Jesus does something else. And I love it. Verse 14. Verse 14. Oh, man. It says in verse 14, so when he saw them, have mercy, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Stop right there. <laughs> He says, go show yourself, Brother James, to the priest. If you're familiar with the scripture, that may just go, whoo. He heard them. He saw them. What did they cry out to him for? Jesus, master, what? Have mercy. They asked him for mercy. He looked, he saw them, and he now speaks. The word made flesh now speaks a word. And what do you, if you, if that was you, what's now welling up in your heart? Oh, he saw you. He heard you. You asked for mercy. And now something's about to come out of his mouth. What is welling up inside of your heart now, right now, family? Hope. Faith, right? Here's the second reason why we need to be grateful. Because Jesus gives the word of assurance. Oh, please. Oh, I, I'm praying, Holy Spirit. That we hear this today. He gives the word of assurance. He said, go show yourself to the priest. 
Do you understand that when you were told to go show yourself to the priest, it was because you were to be ratified, certified as healed? <laughs> Jesus said, oh, go show yourself to the priest. Wait a minute. Oh, did he just say that? Go to the priest. Is he saying what I think he's saying? Ah, Jesus gives the word of assurance. There's this beautiful thing called a GPS. And I have the GPS with the British accent, you know? I, by the way, that's probably, that next to the Spanish and French accent is one of my favorite. I just, I, I just go in, sometimes I just go into British accents just, just off the cuff. I just start going into it, you know? I'm not going to do it now. No, absolutely not. And, um, and, and, and it just speaks to me so kindly, you know, as I'm driving. Oh, no, turn right. Turn left. Police. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, my wife and I, we know, we, I have Jamaican background, although I'm born in America. My wife's born and raised in Jamaica. So we say, you know, they need a Jamaican accent on that thing. <laughs> what do you mean you're turning right? Why are you turning right? Turn left. What are you doing? <laughs> what is that? You know. Every day, I have the choice to believe the what? The word coming from that GPS, don't I? What happens if I say, oh, you said turn left, but I say, I don't trust that word. I'm going to go right. You see, the GPS, because of satellite technology, sees, and sees stuff that I don't see, right? Recalculates, even if I go on a detour, right? It's, it's there to help and fit, has some power that I just don't have, right? And so I'm dependent, and this is actually a problem for me, because my wife, it, my wife is a GPS. I'm not going to front. I am bad at directions. If you tell me how to get to your house, I'm going to go back to that GPS about 10 times before I know how to get there. You tell my wife once, and she, choo, she's there, right? I'm dependent so much on the GPS that I don't pay attention to it. They just said, go right, I'll go right. I said, go left, go right. So I don't know this. When you guys talk to me about streets, I don't know it, okay? And so anyway, um, we need to treat our relationship with Jesus very much like how we treat a little device thing in our app in our phone. Right? Jesus gives a word of assurance. He the hope, faith is now welling up in the heart of these lepers. Go show yourself to the priest. There's something else here that's happening. He's saying, go show yourself to the priest because who is he about to be rejected by? His own people in Jerusalem. Where are the priests? They're in Jerusalem. The, this story is a setup for Jesus to be crucified and rejected at the cross by his own people, by Sabbath keepers, by health conscious followers of Yahweh. They're going to put their savior on a cross. And he knows this. And so he's saying, look, if I can get this guy, if I can, not just this guy, there's a Samaritan, there's nine Jews, go to, go to the priest. And uh, guys, you guys are clean. You're healed. But how'd you get healed? Jesus. You know that saying? Jesus has a heart for the priests. He wants this healing to be a testimony, a story that's going to reveal his love and what he's about to do on the cross. And the same way they can be healed from leprosy, you can be healed from sin. Yes, he has a heart for the priest. He recognizes he's about to be rejected, but he wants to do at least something that's going to reach somebody. Jesus is just so desperate to save. We have a word of assurance, family. Did you get up this morning? Did you hear it? Did you hear his voice this morning? Did you hear the, the, the central burden of this book? 
It's the gospel. It's, it, it's the love of God revealed in Jesus and him crucified for your salvation. It's one, it's one story from Genesis to Revelation. It's what Jesus accomplishes for you on your behalf that you can't accomplish yourself. Did, did you hear it? Did you hear him speaking to you this morning? Words of assurance. Words of assurance. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith, how do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How do I get more faith? I'm struggling with doubt. I don't know if I'm saved. I, I, did you hear it? Did you hear Jesus saying to you, go show yourself to the priests? Do you believe that I can heal you? That's, what, that, that's what's wrapped up in that. Do you believe that I can heal you? You know, Jesus would ask that question all the time. Do you believe that I can do this? You see, can Jesus do anything? Oh, yes, but force your will. He's, he's trying to elicit a response, you see. All power is in Jesus. You know, he can do it. But, but he's a gentleman and he's loved, so he's not going to force a healing on you. He's not going to force salvation on you. He's not going to do that. And so, because he has the power to do it in you, for you, right? He needs you to respond to the word. Of assurance, but that's not how the text ends. Watch this. The Bible then goes on to say, again, continuing in verse 14, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was, oh man, help me, Jesus. And so it was that as they went, they were, oh, as they went, they were cleansed. The Bible goes on to say, and when, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a, with a quiet whisper. Oh, with a loud voice glorifying God and fell down at his feet, uh, excuse me, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And, watch this little commentary, and he was a Samaritan. Help me, Holy Spirit. How much time do we have? Help me, Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered, and pay attention to what Jesus says. And Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? Uh, but, but, but where are the nine? Where are, uh, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? <laughs> and he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to give me some restraint this morning. Because the most important thing here is the reason why you should be grateful continually. It's not just that Jesus draws close. It's not just that he gives the word of assurance. He gives you this word of assurance. Jesus saves by grace through faith. Jesus saves by grace through faith. It's so important I have to say it again. Jesus saves by grace through faith. Thank you, Lord. You see, think of a plane. How many of you fly? You fly often? Okay. Do you, do, do you stop if you've flown often? Do you stop? And, and some people may be afraid of heights or whatever. So not you guys, but everybody else. You've flown. You're comfortable with it. Have you, when you go to get on the plane, do you stop and go, I think I need to interview this pilot and see if, he, see if he's sober, number one, and see his credentials. I need to get some eyewitness testimonies of his skills and his abilities. I need to evaluate this plane. 
and make sure that I go and just make sure that this thing is going to do what it says it's supposed to do. It's supposed to fly me from here to over there. Do you do that? Oh, no. Why? Uh -huh. You have, dare I say this, you have sometimes more faith in a pilot and a human-made machine than you do in Jesus. Because the pilot can do something you can't. The plane can do something that you cannot. You simply make the choice to get in the plane. Have mercy. That's Jesus, by the way. You make the choice to respond to what this plane can do for you. And you get in the plane, don't you? And you trust. Oh, yeah, there may be some turbulence along the way, along the journey. But that pilot's going to get on and go, Shh, uh, Bam, just, just, just please, just uh, everybody, just remain calm. We're going to have just going to be a little bumpy road. I wonder if they get training for that, by the way, Matt, it, 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 to, to, to be so smooth and comforting. Everything is just going to be fine. Just relax. We're going to get to New York in just a few minutes. And you land. Now, sometimes back in the day, people would clap when we land. They would celebrate. The, thank you, Jesus. Right. And, uh, and then others were praying and clapping and saying, thank you, Jesus, when the turbulence stopped in the plane. But sometimes we even take that for granted. Oh, close the curtains. That glory, is to that, that light's just so bright. Just close the curtain. You see, Jesus saves by grace through faith. Jesus is like that plane. You see, when you said yes to Jesus, you got in the plane. See, Jesus couldn't make you say yes. But he wooed you. He drew you. He may even use difficult circumstances to get you to a place where you sensed your need. And you said yes. And Jesus said, ah, you're in the plane. Great. Now, can you trust the pilot? You see, grace is unmerited favor. Jesus saves by grace through faith. CJ, why are you talking about, why are you talking about salvation in a healing story? This is, this is a healing story. Jesus said, Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You are healed. You see that word in the original language for healed is the same word where we get the word salvation. Oh, mercy. You see, when Jesus is doing all of his healing miracles and he said to them, do you believe I can do this? And he said to them, your faith has made you well. Ellen White says this in Desire of Ages. If you haven't read that book, you need to get it. Download it on the EGW White uh, uh, app and listen to it even. But she even says this, but you can see this right there in the text. Jesus is, is, is healing people to arouse faith in him because the healing miracles was to actually draw them closer to the greatest miracle that they needed. That was the salvation of their souls. Jesus healed physically in order to heal you spiritually. That's why when the paralytic was brought in, he first healed him spiritually, said, your sins have been forgiven, go in peace, right? And then, so that the other people would believe, right, he heals him physically. Yeah. See, the deepest healing you need is spiritual, and Jesus does that by grace. In other words, you can't do it. You can't merit it. He does it. You respond to it through faith. If you're in Ephesians, we don't have time to go there, but I'll just, you know, if he, as a matter of fact, let's go there really quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's so important. I think we need to just quickly go there and then we'll close. But if you'll go with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. You may want to underline it, highlight it. Uh, but this is what it says here. Paul's speaking to the church in Ephesus. He says this. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast family this leper could not heal himself the ten could not heal themselves 
They heard, they saw Jesus, his love was being revealed. He saw them, he heard them, and he gave them the word. You can liken that to when you heard the gospel, you heard the word of truth, right? You heard the gospel. You responded in faith, but guess what? A faith without works is dead. You need a faith that works. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. They were not saved by their faith. They were saved by grace that required a response of faith. In other words, watch this. If, if they heard Jesus say, balcony, if they heard Jesus say, go to the priest, go, go show yourself to the priest, and they just sat there and they just simply heard that word without a response, would they have been healed? No. Did Jesus have all power to heal them? Oh, yes. He, oh, yeah. But they, but, they, but they needed to respond to the word, you see. And so what if they did? They started to go, right? They started to go. But along the way they go, but man, you know, what if, I, what if, I, what if by the time I get, Matt, to, to, to the priest, what if by the time I get there I'm not healed? That's going to be kind of awkward. It's going to be kind of embarrassing. So, so maybe, maybe I should just kind of just forget about this whole thing. I mean, it was really nice of Jesus to recognize us. That was really cool. I could tell my friends about that. Would they have been healed? No, 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 no. Oh, but the Bible says something. Oh, family, hear me. Ooh. When they responded in faith, their faith produced action. Their obedience to the word of assurance from Jesus was simply the response to the word of grace that came from Jesus. Oh, watch this. They were not healed by their obedience. Their obedience was a response to their faith that they would be healed. They went, and as they're going, they were healed. They had to respond to the gospel. They had to respond to the grace. But watch this. Was it in them as they responded in obedience? Was it, was it in their power, even though they responded in obedience? Was it in their power to heal them? As they were going, who was doing a work in them? Oh, Woo! God did the work even though they responded. Did you, did, are you hearing me, family? You are saved by grace through faith. You have been justified by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus has, he has saved you at the cross. He gives it to you freely. You did not do a thing to earn it. And even when you respond, it's a gift from God. Even your response, empowered by the Holy Spirit, as you grow in grace, it's not meritorious. It doesn't earn you salvation. That has been accomplished solely by what was done by Jesus. Every obedience and every good work that you do is simply a response to what's already been accomplished for you by Jesus. You continue in faith in what Jesus has already done. Your position in heaven is saved. But you've got to remain in the relationship. You've got to continue to believe that you have been saved by the grace of God. Disobedience is a revelation that you do not believe. When you disobey, when you continue in sin, that is simply an indication that you are some, there's something going on with your faith. You see, you're saved by grace through faith. But you've got to continue to believe. If I'm in the plane, did I have enough faith in the power of the, of the plane and the pilot, right, to get in the plane to start the journey? What happens along the journey if I decide I don't trust this plane and I don't trust this pilot? And I say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump out this thing. I'm done. I'm done. What's going to happen to me? Oh, this is, what's going to happen? 
I'm going to die. The same thing spiritually, right? Now, who is accomplishing me getting to my destination? Oh, the plane and the pilot. But I've got to stay in the plane. You've got to stay in the relationship with Jesus. And the entire time, even if you stumble along the way, if you're in the plane and you stumble and trip, are you still in the plane? Yes, you are. Is the pilot going to get you to your destination? Yes, he is. But you've got to do what? Stay in the... Because you trust who? The pilot and the plane to get you where you need to go. You are saved by grace. That is a reason to shout right there. That is a reason to say thank you, Lord. That's a reason to be grateful. But this is where I'm going to end here, family, and then we're going to close. Oh, but don't miss this point, because Jesus is driving something that, I love you, family, is going to challenge us. Because as they're going in faith, they're going in faith, they're trusting in the power of what Jesus said, the word of assurance. As they're going, uh, they become healed, and, and, and the Adventists keep going. The Jews kept going. The Muslim turned around and said, I've got to give God thanks. The Baptist turned around and said, oh, no, 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 I've got to praise them all. And he said he praised them quietly. Now, see, when you're at a football game, family, and, and please, I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying here. You see, we all, we're all wired differently here. We, we, we respond. Some people, tears of gratitude, tears of joy, a big smile. Some people keep very quiet and give a nice high five when they're overcome and overwhelmed. Uh, but some of us, have been through the fire. And this Samaritan who was in a Jewish community at this moment, but was welcomed into this fellowship of suffering. They all knew, yes, we have our differences, but right now we need healing. And he was healed. He had enough sense to turn around and say, I've got to be grateful. I've got to thank God for what he has done. But family, don't miss this point that Jesus is making this morning. Jesus says, what happened to those nine that I've entrusted with so much, that I have blessed with such truth, and they should be celebrating my advent at this moment. Those that, those that are anticipating the coming of Messiah, they kept going. The Bible doesn't tell us whether or not they made it to the priest. We don't know. But one person turned around and he was not the one who had the truth. He turned around and he was grateful. And Jesus was not offended by his emotional exuberance of gratitude. You know what Jesus was offended by? The lack of gratitude coming from his people who were about to have him crucified. Were there not not, where are the other nine? Well, they're not ten. And by the way, Jesus is not buying into the biases and the racial prejudices of the day when he said, was no one else able to come back and give God thanks except this foreigner? No. He's making a statement of contrast. He's showing you that the gospel is not just for the Jews. It is for everybody. Right? I called some out to call the world in. And so he's saying that, that, that this person who you would, would consider to be outside of the remnant, this person you consider to be uh, uh, someone that, that, that should not be amongst your ranks, someone that you would want to debate with, Jesus says, Jesus says, you go in faith. You go. 
Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you is what Jesus is saying there. Family, Jesus is challenging us to not be like those that kept going. Jesus is calling us to not just be thankful on Sabbath. He's calling us to not just be thankful on Thanksgiving. Jesus is calling us to be thankful on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday when you got cut off, on Thursday when you couldn't pay your rent, on Friday when you were so busy you didn't get to get everything done before Sabbath and you're stressed out and you're now trying to enter his rest. Jesus says, I'm, I, I, I'm calling for you to be grateful. I'm calling for you to be grateful. Jesus was on his way to be pierced, to be spat upon, to be bruised, to be insulted. The grossest injustice was done to Jesus for you. And Jesus just says, look, I don't have an ego problem. I just want to know, do you, do you appreciate the love that was poured out? Do you appreciate the sacrifice that was made? Really simply, do you, do, do you love me, Jesus says. Do you love me? I'm interceding right now in the heavenly sanctuary. That blood that was shed in Calvary, it's applied to you. Do you love me? I love you. And yes, I, I, I know you got a poopy diaper, but I'm going to draw close. I see your poopy diaper, but I'm, I, I know how to clean poopy diapers, Jesus says. I draw close to smelly situations. He says, I also have a word of assurance for you. Are you going to believe that word of assurance? And Jesus says, please don't forget that I have saved you by grace through faith. And even your faith is a gift of God. Is there somebody here, as, as, as we're about to pray, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, is there somebody, somebody here? Somebody here, you're, you're a Jew. And what I mean by that is that you are someone, that you know the word, you know the scriptures, you're a Sabbath keeper, you are health conscious, you are awaiting the coming the second coming of Messiah. Are, are you that person here? But, but you recognize, wow, you know, wow, CJ. Wow. I've been like the nine that just kept going. I've been like that family that simply said, hey, sweetie, can you close the blinds? And you've taken the Lord for granted. You've taken his grace for granted. You say, oh, Jesus. I want to be like those lepers that recognize my condition and cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Is that you? Would you raise your hand, please? Would you raise your hand? All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Maybe you're here. Somebody, maybe somebody is here and, and you say that I am, I am a Samaritan. I am not a part of the role of the church, God's last day church. I'm not a part of this community of faith. I'm, I may, I'm, maybe I've just been visiting here. Uh, but I recognize that you've done something special. This group of people are not better than anybody else, but I recognize that you're doing something through this church, and, and I, 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 I believe, Jesus, that you're here. And I'm standing with them, and I'm saying, have mercy. You have not made that commitment to Jesus. You have not made that full surrender to his truth. You have not said, let me begin that discipleship journey. Is that you? Are you here? You have not made a full and complete surrender to Jesus. I'm talking about baptism. I'm talking about 
growing in grace and community. I'm talking about serving Him. I'm talking about being a disciple that makes other disciples. Is that you? Have you made, have you not made rather, that full surrender? And I'm not talking about whether you have come from another denomination. You're not in church at all. You heard today that Haley opened the Bible for the first time in my office. I'm saying, are you here, even if you've been raised in the church, but you've not yet made a full surrender to Jesus who saves by grace through faith? Is that you? Are you here? Can we journey with you? Can we journey with you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There are some hands that are lifted. Praise the Lord. There's another hand that's lifted. Oh, family, Jesus still saves. He still saves. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's no better day than today to recognize that Jesus still saves. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I see you, I see you, I see you. I'm going to invite all of you that have raised your hands to please stand right now. Please stand right now. Please stand. It's never too late to receive the overwhelming love of God poured out by grace, by Jesus and Him crucified. If you appreciate what Jesus has done, would you please stand right now? If you are saying today, Jesus, I respond in faith, which itself is a gift. Thank you. I, I, I receive your grace today. This day is actually about grace. And so please... Lord, I just want you to receive my thanks. As your heads are bowed, let us pray. Oh, Father in heaven, oh God, right now we are in an awesome moment of gratitude before you. And we recognize, like those lepers, Father, that we have a messy diaper. We recognize that we are full from head to toe of the leprosy of sin. And you came to this earth to save sinners. Whether they are a Jew or whether they are a Samaritan, whether they are Seventh-day Adventist or whether they are Baptist, whether they are a Muslim, whether they are Hindu, whether they are atheist, your blood was shed, whether they are a homosexual, Heavenly Father, you shed your blood and your power is available to everybody. You are able to save and to transform by the grace of God and your blood was shed. You, you hung there as Hitler. You hung there as ISIS. You hung there as whatever comes to our mind as evil on this world done by human beings. You hung there and said, I am guilty. Let the condemnation fall on me. Give it to me. I will take the missile of sin. I will take the implosion. Put it on me so that they can go free. Anyone, anyone who receives that good news will be like that leper. As you go in faith, you will be healed. Your heart will be transformed. The guilt, the shame is lifted in Jesus Christ. Your position before God and the judgment is saved in Jesus Christ and now the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in you he grows you by his grace but as you grow you now you have the assurance that word of assurance that I am saved in this relationship somebody here has raised their hand because they are in this church but they said I oh, I need that grace I've taken it for granted others have raised their hand and said we we want that grace 
in this community for the first time. As we follow up, as God, as we move with these individuals, I've seen them. Father, you see them in your throne right now. As you saw those lepers, as you heard them, they're crying out for mercy. Let your mercy fall on them right now, right now, your grace. Oh, God, let us, let us receive your love today. And from here forward, God, we're not going to linger on this. God, thank you. We really do appreciate you. And as we leave here, may we go with the absolute assurance that we are safe and secure in Jesus, our pilot and our plane. We thank you in the worthy, excellent name of Jesus. As we now, as, we, as you lift up your voices in song, let us sing about his amazing grace. Sing from your hearts with understanding about his amazing grace. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.